The ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. So I'm excited to um, share this interview with you with Dr. Bill Schindler. Dr. Bill Schindler was actually on episode three of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. So we are so honored to have him back on the podcast. And the reason why we had him back is that we are so excited. He is finally, after working on his book for over a year, um, going to be releasing his book. It's launching on November 16th. So we're actually getting this podcast out the weekend before his book launch and I'm going to be attending the book launch so that's so exciting we're um, fairly close to him right now on our little RV trip so um, just all the stars aligned and we were able to get him on and uh, the book I'm so excited I pre-ordered it so definitely if you are out there listening to me go to the link in the show notes please support um, this amazingly smart human being he is helping hundreds and thousands and if not hundreds of thousands of people with his efforts um so let me introduce you if you haven't um listened to episode three of the warrior wellness podcast definitely go back and check out that episode we kind of dive into his um kind of uh, approach to a you don't want to call it paleo because it's not paleo it's not um you know uh, keto it's not carnivore but it's more of just a kind of modern Stone Age type of eating. It, basically, this guy is a, a food archaeologist, which is a really, really interesting job title. And he is the founder and director of the Modern Stone Age Kitchen, which actually um, is opening um, officially as a nonprofit next week as well, at the same time as his book launch. It's formerly called the Eastern Shore Food Lab. Um, which it was associated with the Washington College, so now it's kind of a separate entity. Um, And also Dr. Schindler just recently resigned his position as the Associate Professor of Anthropology and Archaeology at Washington College, so he could, in Chestertown, Maryland, so he could, you know, focus on these efforts going forward to introduce more and more people around the world to this style of a eating like a human. And we'll talk about what that means in the interview. Um, so Dr. Schindler has probably been around. You've probably seen him on TV. He was the co-star of both National Geographic series, The Great Human Race, and Curiosity Streams, The Modern Stone Age Family. Um, he is a food archaeologist, a primitive uh, technologist, and chef. He travels the world documenting traditional foodways and works to draw inspiration from deep, deep archaeological record, rich and diverse ethnographic records to a modern to um, apply that to a modern culinary approach. So um, he is a strong advocate for traditional foodways and is constantly seeking new ways to incorporate lessons learned from his research into the diets of modern humans. Um, he has revolutionized the way in which he and his family eats and attributes much of the health of his wife and his three children to the nutrient-dense, hunt, hunted, gathered, and fermented foods that comprise a significant portion of their diets. And they're introducing these techniques by running online classes. So you can actually take an online class with Dr. Schindler. Or if you live around the Chesterfield um, or area of or Chestertown area of Maryland you can uh, take a class in person with them and learn some of these techniques on making sure that your food is not only safe but um, nutrient dense and bioavailable and uh, Dr. Bill Schindler has a new book so that's why we had him on again it's called Eat Like a Human 
and he draws on his cutting edge science and a lifetime of research to explain how nutrient density and bioavailability are the center stones of a healthy diet. So it's not what you eat, it's how you prepare it. He shows readers how to live like a modern hunter-gatherer by using the same strategies our ancestors used, as well as techniques still practiced by many cultures around the world to make food as safe, nutritious, bioavailable, and of course, what's important, delicious as possible. Each chapter of his book is dedicated to a specific food group. He has in-depth explanations of different foods and cooking techniques and takeaways as well as 75 plus recipes. So you will come away with not only some techniques and why you should be doing this, but recipes on, on making sure that you can implement these in your life. I'm so excited about that. So Eat Like a Human promises that it will permanently change the way you think about food and help you live a happier, healthier, and more connected life. So make sure to order Dr. Schindler's book, Take Control of Your Health, Wellness, and Nutrition, and Start Eating Like a Human. So check out that link in the show notes. Go directly there, get your book, and change your nutrition. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Bill Schindler. Introducing the new Fireteam Whiskey Fitness and Nutrition app. Everything you need to get fit and lose weight right at your fingertips. Choose from hundreds of fitness videos and fitness plans. Search for workouts by fitness level, equipment available, or body part focus. Choose from several nutrition plans and customize your macros. Your entire fitness, nutrition, and wellness plan all scheduled on your calendar. Text a trainer anytime for tips, tricks, and motivation. Achieve your fitness and health goals with the Fireteam Whiskey app. Go to www.fireteamwhiskey.com to get two weeks of results for free. Well, Dr. Bill Schindler, thank you so much for um, yet again being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I think this is my only my second person I've ever had on twice. So that's awesome. Really? Thank you so much for re <laughs> reaching back out to us and letting us know. Of course, I keep up with your newsletters and everything that's going on with Eat Like a Human. Um, so I found out that you are have a brand new book finally yep. coming out. So I was showing Dr. Schindler that I have it on pre-order ready to go three more days and uh, just found out that I'm so close to him I may even get to go to the launch party so that's exciting so we're going to talk to Dr. Schindler about his book and what it's all about and why you should get it immediately and put it on pre-order like I did <laughs> so thank you so much awesome my pleasure thanks for having me back fantastic so um, your new book is called Eat Like a Human I wonder where yeah. you got that title from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and everything seems to be building around uh, the, the, that message, eat like a human. And, and, and we're thrilled. I, this is a 10-year project. Oh, actually, it's been a lifetime project, but really started to create this book in, uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, certainly the last few years, we've put it into overdrive. And I finally, I know we were just talking about this. I finally got to hold it for the first time a few days ago, and, and my whole family did. So it's it's been a it's been a wonderful journey, and I'm I'm so happy to share the message with the rest of the world. The um, you know, the the focus of the book, and, and we talked about this a little bit last time last time we spoke, but the focus of the book is uh, really, you know. It, decades worth of anthropological and archaeological research and, and trying to find ways to feed my family the most nourishing food possible has has all culminated in this in this tagline or this this, this um, logo or what what have you eat like a human and you know the quick backstory is I've spent my entire life trying to answer the question what I should be eating and that's the question that anyone interested in diet and health is always asked. And it's an important question. It's one we, we should be asking. But the problem is we haven't found a solution yet um, mm -hmm. or an answer to that question. And, and one of the reasons is because that's not the only answer uh, we should, or it's the only question we should be seeking an answer to. And in fact, you can't, as humans, we can't answer that question without the equally or even more important question, how should we be eating? You know, mm -hmm. I, one of the things that 
I've found through through all my work is that we as humans have one of the most inefficient digestive tracts of any animal on the planet. And what we require is processing of our food. And I mean real processing, not modern food industry, nasty, process, overly processed food processing. I mean the root of, of all the, you're using all the technologies that our ancestors used to transform raw materials into their safest and most nourishing form, forms possible for our incredibly inefficient and weak human bodies that by the way, have enormous nutritional needs to operate properly. We are really good sized mammals with incredibly large brains that require massive quantities of, of high quality nutrition. And we don't have the digestive tract to allow us to take raw materials from the environment and fuel these bodies properly. So what we've done over millions of years is create technologies and behaviors to approach raw materials, transform that food into its safest and most nourishing form as possible, and then put, before it even goes into our mouths, then eat it and then, um, and then support you know, high quality health in, a, in, in really meaningful ways. So this book, we talk a lot in this book about uh, ancestral diets. Um, we talk a lot about in this book about high quality ingredients, but the majority of the book is focused on how to take these high quality ingredients and turn them into something that our bodies can really do something with. Yeah, and we've we've gotten so far away, and we we talked about this in your last interview a little bit, but it just kind of struck me when you were talking. Um, you know, unfortunately, of course, we have an obesity epidemic. You know, in in the United States and all over the world, really. But you know, never before in history, and I think I'm kind of paraphrasing you a quote that I read to you back um, in our last interview. Have we had you know more obese people who are mo more nutritionally deficient? Yeah. So we're literally nutritionally starving, yet we're the most obese you know population that we've ever been um, you know on Earth. And you know, I think what unfortunately what we still hear pounded into our heads by you know uh, fitness professionals, nutritionists, and and you know the the governments and and military or uh, and and medical is just eat less you know yeah. it's, it's just eat less and move more and and you'll be healthy and this obviously isn't working because we've been told this for decades and it's not working for most people so can you talk a little bit about you know how we we need to kind of come away from this concept of you know, eating less and moving more and how this isn't how our biology was designed. No, not at all. And so th thank you. <laughs> the paraphrasing was perfect. And I love, I love starting the conversation this way. Uh, the, I, I think what we need to do in order to even have this conversation is step away from all the, the mantra from the modern nutritional world. And, and like you just said, and, and even the stuff that's shoved down our throats from shows like The Biggest Loser, where 99% of the show is based on people working out really hard. And like 1% is based on doing something with, with diet. And, and, it, and it makes sense why that's the message, because we want, and it's all about money, right? We want to send we want to have food manufacturing, the food manufacturing world wants to have themselves with the value add that they do to food uh, get sold and, and they make massive amounts of money. People get, people think they might be uh, doing something healthy, but they're actually getting more obese and more malnourished. And then we sell gym memberships and they, uh, they go and work out. And, and the cycle that we're in, even though it just keeps getting reinforced through the media and through you know, diet guides and all this, isn't working and it's the exact wrong approach. So if we take a step back real quick, I mean, a huge step back and look at the way that we've eaten for millions of years and the diets that literally built us as a species, we see something completely different. The focus of all the technologies and approaches to food for millions of years was not, how can I eat all day long and not get fat, which is what we try as modern Americans to do now, right? Which means you have to buy nutrient-free food so you can keep eating and, and hopefully not get fat. It was the exact opposite. Is how can I get the most amount of high-quality nutrition from whatever environment I'm in and fuel my body to make it act optimally and all, you know, achieve incredibly true health while doing the least amount of work? And from that, that modern mindset of, hey, I need to eat less and work out really hard, 
to it's a huge, you know, huge complete, you know, turning that on its head to say, hey, how can I get the most amount into my body while doing the least amount of work? It, it's really hard to comprehend that. But if you think about it, all the technologies that, and, and one of the reasons that that it may sound strange, but me as an archaeologist starting to get involved with this is that I came to the realization that almost every single prehistoric technology, which is what archaeologists spend their time looking at, are these ancient technologies and tools. Almost every single prehistoric technology has something to do with food, getting food, processing food, cooking food, storing food, whatever. Um, all, all, and when you think about that, and say almost you know, all of all of our brain power, all of our ancestral brain power was focused on creating technologies to extract the most amount of nutrition from these foods and put it in a state that our bodies can do something with. Then, and, and we've done this for millions of years, and we've done it so well that our bodies grew and our brains grew that it really speaks to the importance of, of those technologies and that real value add of real true food processing. So what we've done is create and started out simply as things like stone tools and fire and later things like hunting and butchering technologies and then uh, things like fermentation and this tomalization and, all, and a whole host of, of technologies to allow us to do this. As we created each, each of these technologies and incorporated them into um, our dietary sort of way we approach the world, our, our, our foods became safer, they became more nutrient dense, and they became more bioavailable. And as mm -hmm. we can, can did that, we literally created the species, you know, homo sapiens. We created ourselves because of these technologies and we created ourselves both in biological and cultural ways. We are, we are a product of our ancestral diets. Now, I, I do want to pause real quick and just say, I am not one of these people who think that we need to take, or that it's even realistic to take a, a diet from 200,000 years ago and put it on our tables today and it's going to make sense. It doesn't. You know, we, we have this sort of saying around here at the, at the Modern Stone Age Kitchen, we say it's not about eating like a caveman, it's about eating like a human again. And that takes into account all of our biological and cultural and emotional needs at the same time, which is how you really generate real genuine health. But if you look at that ancestral track on you know, getting more and more high quality nutrition in a state that our bodies can have access to it without working really, really hard, and that's the, that, if that's the focus, then we are doing it wrong. Right, because, mm -hmm. and we might've talked about this last time, but there was a study several years ago where they looked at grocery stores across the country and looked at all the processed food and, and what was being advertised and marketed to consumers. And something like 80% of all the packaged processed food in the grocery store was advertising what it didn't have in it, right? It was <laughs> fat-free, you know, carb-free, <laughs> gluten-free, whatever free. And, and, and really, you know, we are modeled our, the way we think about, we don't, most of us don't forage and hunt and even cook all of our meals entirely from scratch any longer. So we have to rely on getting our information from other people. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. even things like product placement in the grocery store or things that are in the grocery store and things that aren't in the grocery store, how they're labeled, how they're marketed, um, consciously and unconsciously impact the way we think about food, diet, and health. And if everything that we're seeing shoved down, you know, the, the thing that is great about this product is that it doesn't have something in it, then we start to think about our food and our diet in that same way. And instead of saying, hey, I want to get the most amount of X, Y, and Z in my diet, I'm thinking, hey, I don't want to have this. I don't want to have this. And these are the products I should be spending all of my hard-earned money on. So uh, when, uh, one of the first things I think we need to do is get back to that approach to food where we have these raw materials, these incredible high quality ingredients, we understand that almost all of them are not, I'm sorry, let me back, that we are not designed to consume almost all of them in their raw natural state. Mm -hmm. And then we start approaching them in the right way to make them as safe and nourishing as possible. And the focus needs to be on nutrient density and bioavailability. And, and really, there is really no reason we should be eating a food that has nothing in it. There's, there's, yeah. there's, there's nothing. And, and it's a complete mind shift change, but it will, I can guarantee you transform your health if you approach it that way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, you talk about bioavailability and there's more and more and more coming out um, in the last you know, few years about 
the microbiome and how incredibly important it is and how our way of eating um, these ultra processed foods, these nutrient derivative foods are just, are really killing um, not only, you know, our health, but our microbiome and affecting all sorts of um, uh, different health conditions. And we've seen these, you know, upticks of these certain chronic health conditions because we have for decades now been mainly a processed food eating society. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what you're talking about eating like a human and how um, that kind of naturally takes care of itself when you start focusing on, you know, taking, taking these ultra processed foods out of your life and actually, and you are processing foods like you point out, it has to be processed in order for right. our, our um, pretty um, non-efficient digestive system to deal with foods, but how this kind of goes hand, hand in hand with that. Sure. So the, the first thing I think we need to do is, is define the difference between the food processing that I'm talking about and the food processing that, you know, we, we, both of us keep talking about with this highly processed mm -hmm. you know, part of the industrial, modern, modern industrial food system that is, that is something we shouldn't have in our diet. The difference is the food pro and I, and I wish we could find a different word. Right. It's the right word, but I wish we could have two words. <laughs> so they mean, so you can easily tell the difference between the two. The food processing that I'm talking about is where you take a raw material and whatever procedure you put it through or, or, or technologies you use. And again, some of these can be super simple. It can be everything from slicing and dicing or putting it in a blender to cooking, to fermenting, to whatever. Um, that is done for the purposes to do three things, to make food safe. And, and, we, and I know that may seem really strange. I'm not talking about safe. I mean, I'm always talking about things like safe that it won't kill you, but I'm talking about uh, making sure that that food is going into your body in a way that it is creating absolutely no harm whatsoever. Um, and really when we're talking about plants, it's something we need to need to be aware of. And I, and I hope we can get to that in a minute, but it, the, the technologies do three things. This food processing technologies that are good, make food safe, make food as nutrient dense as possible and make food as bioavailable as possible. In other words, you're gonna eat it and it's not gonna do bad things to your body. You're gonna eat it and it's gonna be packed, chock full of nutrition and you're gonna eat it and that nutrition is gonna be usable by your body. Remember, we have this incredibly inefficient digestive tract. We have this idea as modern humans somehow that if you put food into your mouth, automatically all the nutrition goes to wherever it needs to be. And, <laughs> and it's not, that isn't true. Uh, and again, we may have talked about this before, but um, Stephen Gundry uh, in, in Plant Paradox gave a great example of this. Mm -hmm. He said, listen, when you put food into your body, it's like uh, going into the Lincoln Tunnel. Like you don't, it doesn't go in, when you put it in your mouth, it's like going into the Lincoln Tunnel. It's like, the only thing you're guaranteed is that you're going to come out the other end of the tunnel. So if you're in New Jersey, you're going to come out in Manhattan. You don't go into the Hudson River. And that's what your digestive tract is like. You're trying to get those nutrients into the Hudson River. You're trying to get those nutrients in your body, not just out the other end. So um, you need, for, vegetables are a great example. Vegetables have, some vegetables have awesome nutrition in them. But most of that nutrition is locked up and inaccessible to our, our bodies unless we do the right things to those plants in order to mm -hmm. have access to, those, to that nutrition. So that's the bioavailability part. So safety, nutrient density, bioavailability. On the other hand, most of the modern food processing today is at the expense of, of literally all three of those things. And number one, safety, and I'm not talking about things like E. coli that can make you incredibly sick and... and, and, and um, or uh, and kill you or listeria or those kinds of things, which mm -hmm. the modern food industry would, would make you think it's taking these grandiose steps to, to take care of. And in some cases they do. I'm talking about other food safety issues that can build up over time and call, cause massive chronic disease or pain or illness, uh, which it's not taking care of. In fact, it's, it's, it's making that worse. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't care about nutrient density. In fact, it's boasting about the nutrients that aren't in that food. <laughs> and, and number three, the bioavailability. It's, it, in most cases, it's, it's, it's doing things that make uh, the nutrients in there even more inaccessible to our bodies. So um, the food processing of the modern food industry is focused on profit purely at the expense of your health. That's why a lot of, and that's why what, what, you know, this book is 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 arming 
you, the readers with taking back control of their food system and being able to do these things in their own home to make to use these ancestral practices to make the food as, as nourishing as possible. So I forget the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, we were talking about digestion, how this oh, yeah, right, how right, right. your your approach to to nutrition actually kind of um, takes care of these these um, you know gut issues, the bioavailability, the gut permeability, sure. all of those these issues, these key words that we keep hearing thrown out in the nutrition world nowadays. Um, and we're all, you know, very concerned about because they're just on the rise, all of these, you know, gastrointestinal issues, um, you know, are on the rise and, and, and in turn, you know, the, the autoimmune diseases. And so, you know, we're, we're concerned about this in the nutritional world. Um, so you're talking about a way of eating that takes yeah. care of that because you are doing the three things that you talked about, the safety, the, um, the, uh, bioavailability and what was the second one the, the nutrient density the nutrient right. density you're taking care of these things um but i do want to jump on the plants thing because yeah. um i think what what people do is when they hear you speak they think oh he's just you know he's probably he's talking about those like those way of eating i couldn't eat like that just like all raw vegetables and you know raw meat and you know it's like a plop of you know raw meat on my plate and a bunch of you know, crap load of raw vegetables i can't eat anything else and that is not what you're talking about so i definitely encourage you to you know follow follow dr bill schindler and uh, what he does with with the food um and preparation and we'll talk about what you're involved in with that and i mean i'm seeing like pizza and tacos <laughs> And all these amazing, yeah. like my mouth is just watering, like right now, like I just got like the Pavlov response. Like I just started mm. drooling, like of all the amazing <laughs> foods that you are showing that you are making in your kitchens on a weekly basis. So, um, you know, I think just kind of addressing the misnomer of, oh, he's just talking about like me just having to eat a bunch of rabbit food and, you know, never get to enjoy anything tasty. When you look good, you feel good. Guys, it's about time you threw away those stained t-shirts and those baggy, saggy shorts and upgrade your gym swagger. Zaya Active is the official workout wear of Fireteam Whiskey. Go to bit.ly forward slash ZayaFTW and check out all the styles for women, men, and kids. Now, you know, it, it's so funny. The two things I'd like to, to say before I really dive in deep into that. Number one, um, there was a year of my family's life and it was, I don't know, it was maybe about eight or 10 years ago where every single thing that we ate for the entire year was harvested, butchered, cooked entirely from scratch in-house. I mean, literally everything. Um, we foraged, we hunted, we butchered, we fermented, we everything. We made all of our cheese and all of our butter, all of our yolk, everything. And biologically, we as a family may have been the healthiest we've ever been that year. And I know for me, as um, as somebody so interested in these things and trying to gain, you know, as much hands-on experience as possible, it was a uh, a lifetime worth of knowledge that I gained in one year from doing all this. But my family was far from healthy that year. And because, and we alluded to this earlier, real genuine health for humans through food comes from a combination of you know, meeting our biological needs, but also our emotional and cultural needs as well. The stress level in that house that year, because everything, and everything took so much time. And if all we had to do was feed ourselves, it would have been fine. But we're also, <laughs> the kids are in school and I was teaching and my wife has a career and we had soccer practice and dance and all this. It, it, just, it just isn't possible. So I, I am not sitting here suggesting that you, in order to feed your family, nurse them properly, you have to cook everything 100% from scratch and do X, Y, and Z. It's not possible. And in fact, it, it may work counter to achieving the goals you're really looking to achieve. Um, so that's number one. And so, and it's not just raw meat on a plate, raw, it definitely isn't raw vegetables anywhere, um, which is in many cases, incredibly dangerous. Um, it, it, because the food has to, has to provide you pleasure. And this is the second thing I was going to uh, mention real quick. Eating is one of the three sensual experiences, truly sensual experiences that, that humans, um, 
have in their lives. And there's three, it's food, it's safety, and it's sex. And it makes complete sense. These are our, our I mean, when I say sensual, I mean sensual, meaning that you're using all of your senses at the same time. Mm-hmm. And these are evolutionary responses to situations we find ourselves in that are hardwired in us because as a species, we have to, the only thing we have to do is as a species to make sure we don't go extinct is to reproduce viable offspring and those offspring reproduce viable offspring. That means we have to do those three things right. We have to reproduce properly. We have to nourish ourselves and our young properly. And we have to make sure everybody stays safe until childbearing age. And then they're, then, you know, that, that next round stays safe until childbearing age. So it makes sense why they're all so sensual. And all of them, if you do them right, they feel incredibly good. And if you do them wrong, they feel incredibly bad. And it's supposed to be that way. It, 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 that's how it's worked. Now, if we come at food and and, and, and eating and getting healthy through dietary changes, we have to also forget that idea that, it, you know, I think so many of us believe that if we want to lose weight or if we want to get healthy, we have to go through some sort of pain or feeling like we're going without something, you know, right. you know the, it, it, like we, we go, we, we sit down and if we get up from a table and if we're not still hungry, we feel like we've done something wrong because of course, right. if we're going to lose weight, we should feel hungry. That's the exact opposite way it should be. I mean, think about how crazy that is. If everything that we're hardwired to do is focused on being as healthy as possible, if we're taking steps towards becoming more healthy, it should feel incredibly good, not Mm -hmm. bad at all. So the goal should be every time you get up from a table, you should feel better than the time from when you sat down at that table, right? You've, you've, and, and, and biologically and emotionally and culturally, you should feel better. You should, that's the goal. And if that's your goal, my God, what a life you're living. And, 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 and you're taking steps towards getting healthier through that. So um, the idea that if you're trying to lose weight, you should feel hungry is wrong. You should feel yeah. satiated after every single meal. You should feel good after every single meal. You shouldn't feel like you have to you know, take off your pants and put on sweatpants because you're bloated. That You shouldn't feel that either, but you should feel awesome after every meal. The food should taste good. Remember, these are sensual experiences. There is nothing about eating that shouldn't be pleasant if we're trying to get healthy because we're hardwired to make the right decisions about this, right? So back to your raw meat and, and your raw vegetables. No, we... we should look at a plate of food and we should be proud to take the right raw materials, put it through the right series of steps and processing to, to, to put that food on the table. And if it truly meets all the expectations of being healthy and nourishing and safe, bioavailable and nutrient dense, it should also look good and smell good and taste good and please our palate and have the right texture. And for some foods, it should even sound good. And this is what we should be striving to achieve. And that is the kind of, of health that we're preaching about. <laughs> preaching is the right word about in this book. Um, so no, raw vegetables on a plate and, and just a hunk of bleeding meat and forcing ourselves to eat it is not the kind of thing we're, we're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you touched upon something so important, um, two things. You know, we've, we've been taught by society and, and the medical world and you know, the modern weight loss approach, you know, to ignore our body signals, you know, when we're, when we're craving something or when we don't feel good after we ate something or we feel just lethargic and bloated and, and inflamed and um, we're taught to ignore that. And we're taught, you know, if we're trying to lose weight to, you know, ignore our hunger, hunger signals mm-hmm. and, you know, to eat less. And you've got, you've got to finish your meal and not, you know, and still be hungry. And, and, you know, we, we get those messages, you know, pounded into our head. And even with medications, it's like, well, you have a headache, take a Tylenol. It's like, well, but where, why do you have a headache? You know, like nobody ever like questions. Well, are you dehydrated? Did you not sleep well? Are you feeling stressed? Are are you, you know, do you need to eat? You know, there's, there's like 200 reasons why you have a headache, but there's no thought about, where the headache come from it's just cover the symptom you know and so that's kind of how we we've been taught to approach our lives 
and listening to the body signals are there for a reason biologically. I mean, that's, that's what they were designed to do was to send those signals to, to our brains and, and for us to understand that there was a need there. And mm-hmm. when we're not getting those needs met through our food, then our body's going to start sending us stronger and stronger signals, right? Yep. Absolutely. And, and here's, we literally, not at birth, but not long after birth, for the, the entirety of our lives, we are taught to not listen to our bodies. I mean, think about what it's like. Uh, it, and it even, and unfortunately, it was like it in our house too. I wish I knew better then. But just think about the, the kid in the high chair that just got weaned and are starting to eat baby food. And we are forcing, you know, cream spinach down their throat and they're spitting it up across the room. I mean, to, we've normalized that and we make jokes about mm-hmm. it. There's cartoons about it, and, you know, sitcoms about it. But the reality is something's wrong. Like other animals don't do that. Right? No other right. animal on the planet does that. That kid, when our children, when they're hungry, they should be eating and smiling and eating and smiling that, 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 and, and pleasant and happy about it. But instead, we are forcing down their throats what the modern food industry is telling us we should be feeding our kids. And they're literally spitting it up on our faces. And we are still listening to people telling us that we should be sh- literally shoving it down their throats. So, And we are forcing those kids, our own kids, to not pay attention to their own body signals. And then and on top of that, as we get older, the food that we're in, and it is almost impossible, even if that didn't happen to us, to today fully listen to our, our, our body signals if we're eating some of this ultra processed food, because they literally have millions and billions of dollars pumped into labs. People in white lab coats with test tubes are playing around with, with, with our senses. Those senses that those evolutionary responses that we've built over millions of years to, to help us inform how we should be eating when we should stop eating, when we should start eating, how much food we should be eating. And they are tweaking food to play on all those evolutionary mm-hmm. responses so, so that they can make money. And we're, we're left here with what do we do? So we have to hire people. We have to, other people to tell us how to eat. It, sh- it, it shouldn't be that way. So, you know, one thing that I advocate, I advocate several, or I suggest several different things to start to overcome this lifetime of being forced away from trying to listen to our bodies is number one, eat, do everything you can to eat the most nourishing meal possible at least once in your life. I mean, you, you need that baseline because so many of us mm-hmm. maybe truly, and I know this sounds really weird and really dark, but I think there's so many of us that have never had one truly nourishing meal and know what it feels like to do exactly what I said a few minutes ago to get up and feel fully, wholly nourished at the end of it. And I mean, again, biologically and emotionally and culturally nourished all at the same time. And then when you do that, that should be your baseline. You should strive for every meal to feel like that. And I know, listen, I understand it. We have a lot of things happening in, uh, in our lives and there's a lot of different factors that influence how and when and, and what we eat. It, you're not gonna hit it every time, but that should be the goal. Mm-hmm. The second thing is we are, so many of us are so disconnected from our food, where it comes from, how it's made, how to make it as nourishing as possible. And I know we talked about this a little bit last time, and this is really what this book is about. Take a food that you and your family eat all the time, all the time, and make it entirely from scratch. And then not only does that become one of those nourishing meals, it creates that baseline, but you know uh, what goes into that food, how to tweak it, how to make it as nourishing as possible. And then even if you never make it again, you go to the grocery store and you can see through the marketing and advertising and you know which versions of those food, uh, of that food to purchase. You use your money to help support the food manufacturers that are actually doing a good job. And then you, you've taken a huge leap forward in, in nourishing your family um, a, a lot better than may be happening at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and that's a very good point, Dr. Schindler, you know, that the, the big food industries have spent billions of dollars in biohacking those receptors in your brains and those things that were built in for a reason in our biology to help our ancestors, um, you know, find the most nourishing foods and continue to eat those. But unfortunately, our modern <laughs> food society has hacked into that process and created these ultra addictive foods 
So, you know, sure, you may feel fantastic when you're gobbling down a pint of ice cream like I used to do (laughs) in the moment, but boy, it doesn't feel good after that with the, with the crash of the blood sugar crash and, you know, the, the consequences of, um, so, but it's really, really sad to see, you know, the, the, um, the waves of destruction that food addiction has created in our society. I mean, not only just the, the secondary, the, the health issues, but how, um, hard a grip this has mm-hmm. on people and how it is, it, it literally is an addiction um, that is created. And unfortunately, you know, when you're just told to eat less and move more, that does not get to those mechanisms that we're, we're literally battling biologically, those chemical reactions in your brain that turn on the dopamine and the good feel mm-hmm. stuff. And, Ooh, this is delicious. I need more, 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 more. And your body is just sending you those really powerful signals that you want more, but you literally are, you know, you see this and, and people get very judgmental about people who are obese, but you know, you have to understand that they literally are starving and their brains believe that they are starving and they keep sending the signals to eat more and more and more. And it's a very, very strong signal because it's a survival instinct, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that a couple of things are really important. One is most species eat to a protein threshold. Like they eat to satisfy a basic necessity of life. And typically that's protein. And there's been a lot of studies done with a lot of different animals, including humans. And um, when you change the makeup of their diet, the the, the macronutrient makeup of their diet, they still will eat until they reach a certain protein threshold. And with in with humans, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But if, if if, if even a fraction of it is true, and you're eating a diet that is filled with carbohydrates, you can eat carbohydrates all day long and your body Mm -hmm. is starving for this basic essential need of protein. And you're going to continue to eat and continue to eat and continue to eat. And you're in many cases, never going to reach that. Um, It's the same thing. You know, one of the most important things and one of the, in, in, in a human bodies, especially for our children that I, we've been told for years, we shouldn't have in our diets and we need it and we need it in the right way is high quality fat and and we're not and we're literally starving our kids from that as as they're getting more obese you know because we're giving them all this bread and crackers and chips and all these other sorts of things they're not getting the protein they need they're not getting the right kind of fat that they need and they are literally starving and it's hard because because visually they're getting bigger you know whether they're just Mm -hmm. getting taller but they're just getting bigger and more obese and they're literally starving on the inside and and we, we need to do a much, much, much better job. And it, it comes with that mindset we talked about earlier that we need, our focus should not be eating food without something. Our focus should be eating food with things in it. You're right. And, and it's funny that you say that you foods without and all the marketing, this doesn't have this and you see the fat free, fat free. Right. And we went through that fat free era and, and you see what happened now because as a result of that, but I, you know, when I'm working with my clients and they, you know, especially with women, they usually come in doing the fat free thing. And I, I always ask them just a the simple question. Well, okay. They take the fat out of this. What's left or what are they adding, you know, to, mm-hmm. to make it taste better because fat is a very satiating, you know, makes things taste really good. I mean, it, the difference between like, I'm a, I'm a ribeye lover, right? I mean, I love a ribeye because it's a fatty piece yeah. of meat. It's much more flavorful than a leaner cut of meat, right? So I'm like, I just asked a simple question. Well, what what's left? You know, mm-hmm. most of the time it's just carbohydrates. And then they add, you know, things to it, like sugar usually to make it taste better because they took the fat out that makes it, you know, that kind of naturally makes things taste good. So yeah, always being aware of, if it says it's free of something, what else do they add to it or what's left, you know? Um, and so, you know, I want to, for you to talk about, and I'm sure you address this in your book because you, you probably hear this a lot. Um, you know, people get very concerned about, you know, this is just, you know, this, it's too expensive to, to mm. eat well, you know, it's expensive to buy, you know, organic produce, or it takes too much time to, 
you know, prepare these foods. It's just so much easier to buy a frozen whatever and just, you know, plop it in the oven or the microwave and eat it, um, which, which is true. It is much more convenient, but, um, you know, can you kind of address that? I'm sure you've, you've come across this a lot where, you know, people argue that it's just it's too expensive. It's too time consuming. I, I just can't do it. Are you fire team ready? Try the fire team whiskey spec ops, keto Joe shake. The Keto Joe Shake is a medium-chain triglyceride MCT shake derived from non-GMO coconut oil. It contains 17 grams of MCT, 10 grams of high-quality whey protein, and no sugar. It's sweetened with stevia leaf, so you can keep those carbs low and shred that body fat. 25 milligrams of caffeine to give you extra energy for the gym or your busy day. Fireteam Whiskey has been supplying military members deployed all over the world with Spec Ops shakes for over three years. Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are fueling the fight. Whether you are just trying to lose a few pounds or trying to get that extra edge in the gym, the Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are for you. Make sure to stock up now and support our efforts to raise funds for Team RWB, our nonprofit partner that provides social support and fitness events for our nation's heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the as far as the expense is concerned, and and what I, what I was attempting to do here, and I and I hope I did it, was make a book that is accessible as accessible as possible and meaningful and as relevant to as many people as possible. So, real quick, before we get to the expense part, that's an important piece of it. It is not preaching a, you know carnivore diet or a carnivore approach or, or, or this approach. I have, I have very strong feelings about the importance of animals in our, in our animal, animals and you know, the entirety of the animal in our diets by certainly, but the really cool thing about the way that I approached it here is that no matter what you base your diet on, whether you're a carnivore or a pescatarian or a you know vegetarian or a vegan or whatever, by implementing these approaches to making that raw material that's the focus of your diet um, into something else, you're making it as safe and nourishing as possible. So you're you know you're improving your diet without having to change a, a whole bunch of of things that you truly believe in. Um, so that's that's one piece. But as far as the other accessibility piece of it. Doing this is cheaper than than buying that food, right? That food or already made for you. Now, certainly between um, you know, uh, well, there's a lot of different things that would go into making that processed food cheap. You know, government subsidies on grains and 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 uh, mass production is is obviously has a different um, is at a different scale than smaller production, so that makes it a little bit cheaper. Um, all the fillers and all that other stuff makes it a little bit cheaper. Low quality ingredients make it a little bit cheaper. But in general, every step that a food producer takes is what we call a value add. They're doing something to a raw material. And because they've done this, they can charge a higher price. Mm -hmm. and, it, and if you take control of that yourself in your house, then theoretically, you should be able to take a raw material for a heck of a lot cheaper than that food put it through that process and not only have saved money, but you have a much more nourishing, you know, and, and appealing and delicious and whatever um, product at the end of it. So right away, the first thing I would say is in, in addition to the connection and the knowledge and the, all the nourishing aspects of, of, of taking control of these things in, in your own home, you also have the ability to take number one, the same raw material that a food manufacturer is taking and create a food for less money than you can buy it, you know, than mm -hmm. you can buy it for. But here's, here's the next step though, because that's not just it, because we should always be striving to, to nourish ourselves as, as best as possible. You can then start as, as you, you learn the process and understand, you know, how the, these foods are made and really incorporate them into you and your family's lives. Then you can start taking that money that you're saving and buying the higher quality ingredients, right? So mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, you can end up with, you know, this food that, and I know so many, and I used to be the same way. I used to say, man, I want to go to a restaurant because, you know, they can make it taste so much better than I can at my own house. Or I want to buy it at the grocery store because, they, you know, they can make it so much better than I can make it in my own house. And it's the exact opposite. When you know how to make it properly and not take the shortcuts, but do it the right way, the end product 
looks better, tastes better, smells better, is more satiating, is more nourishing, all of that, and it is cheaper. And mm -hmm. you can take that money you're saving and then buy, uh, you know, then you can really start to dump it into the things that you really believe in, like, um, you know, getting the most grass-fed, small farm, you know, organic beef, or, you know, these amazing eggs from, from somebody really local that are treating their chickens really, really well, or those sorts of things, you know, high quality raw milk from a local producer, and, and then really everything starts to come together at the same time. So I do truly believe um, in all the nutritional parts of this, but also the financial parts of it are extremely important as well. But it's not only for the for you, right? For I mean you, I mean the people who are listening, right. or all of us. It's not only for the consumer um, and and you know the mother or the father, whoever who's cooking at home that's saving that that there's financial implications for when you're buying the raw materials directly from a farmer or only one step away or at a farmer's market or what have you. You are first of all, they get more money by selling it directly than they do by putting it through that sort of wholesale, you know, modern food industry. And you're also making sure that you're paying the, you know, the money's going to the people who are actually doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. So not only are you saving money, but the, the people that we want to be supporting are the ones that are getting supported. Exactly. Yeah. And I've been, had the pleasure of experiencing that for myself over the last two years, we've been traveling over, over two years in our RV. And that is basically what we did. We, you know, in travels, we just find a local butcher, or, you know, farmer's market and, you know, produce stands and we're eating 90% local, you know, we mm -hmm. actually are connecting with the foods you know, this, this pork was slaughtered right down here at the farm, this farm right down the road. And this produce came from here. It's, and, and I can definitely tell you after two plus years of eating that way, I'm healthier, leaner, both of us, my, my husband as well, than we've ever been in our lives. And, you know, and we were buying pretty good quality foods from, mm -hmm. you know, like our local fresh market or whole foods, but I definitely have seen a difference with just having that kind of closer connection. Because if you think about it, you know, as soon as that plant is pulled off the, the plant or, or that the animals butchered, you know, there is a process of kind of, it's starting to break down, you know, it's, right. it's, it's dying basically. So we've got to eat it as soon as possible after it dies, right? So that's what it was designed to do. Our ancestors you know, it didn't, a food didn't travel a thousand miles to get to no. their plate. It was from right here. I found it when I was foraging today, or we just slaughtered it like literally, you know, two hours ago. So, um, you know, you don't have to go out and go hunting and, and, you know, slaughter your own meat or, you know, go, go out and fish. Although that's the freshest fish I ever had was the fish that I've caught myself. Sure. So if you can do that, fantastic. But, you know, Dr. Schindler introduces you to some ways where you can kind of start small, um, you know, and especially support your local farms and, and, um, you know, produce, uh, growers and, you know, you're not buying into those big box markets where, you know, your food traveled 3000 miles to get to you. So what happened along the way? You have no control over that. And it's literally dying on the way to you before you purchase it and gets onto your plate. So, um, you know, being shortening that time window as much as possible between it coming off the, the plant or being slaughtered and getting into your mouth would be the ideal situation. Plus, you're putting your money towards those people who, you know, can continue to provide these high quality foods to us. And, you know, maybe one day in a, a beautiful world, we won't have big box grocery stores anymore. We'll just have small local farmers markets. But, you know, hopefully that'll happen in our lifetime. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny, too, because it's such the we think it's such the norm now. But what the first the first supermarket was in I think 1908 or so it was a Piggly Wiggly I mean, it's only been a little over a hundred years that we've had supermarkets and very short period of time that we've had big box stores like Costco and BJ's and we just we, we've so quickly that's the norm and anybody fishing or 
or you know fishing for food for dinner or foraging or, or hunting and butchering their own animals that seems so strange but that's the way that it's been for millions of years and we do need to get back to it and you have left a trail by doing what you've done you've literally left a trail of support across mm -hmm. this country and you know when you also think about it you've um by 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 purchasing your food this way and this directly we call it you know, taking taking links out of the food chain right getting closer to the source mm -hmm. You have, um, first of all, I truly believe that's the safest food system possible is, is one where you are literally engaging with the person that's raised those animals or raised those plants or what have you. But you, you're also, think about the packaging and the fuel and all the other things that mm -hmm. um, you're taking out of that system that are, that are necessary. And it's not only what you see on the shelf. Like if you get um, a box of of, of lettuce or, 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 you know, one of those little containers of lettuce that have to get gassed so that it doesn't, you know, it's all wrapped in plastic, but those plastic containers all came, you know, in a case with a box and all those boxes were uh, sitting on top of a pallet and that pallet was usually wrapped in massive quantities of, 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 of plastic wrap so it didn't fall. Then that went onto a truck and then, and then all the fuel and then shipped all over the, all over the country. You're getting rid of all that and doing it one time may not seem like a big deal, but making that part of your daily routine, the amount of support that you provide and the uh, you know, amount of um, you, you, what you do to keep a lot of that packaging and all that other stuff out of the system is massive. It's yeah. a huge change. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about your book a little bit. So who needs to read your sure. book and what, what are they going <laughs> to, what are they going to learn when they, when they get your book next week, when it releases? Anyone who wants to, <clears throat> nourish themselves or their families through the most connected, purposeful, meaningful, sustainable, and ethical diet possible should, should read this book. And that was my goal. I, I've spent a lifetime trying to learn these approaches and these skills and techniques um, to feed my own family and it's worked and myself and it's worked so incredibly well. I'm 48 years old now. I'm in the best shape of my life. I was a division one athlete. I wrestled for Ohio state and I'm in better shape now than I was then in my late teens and early twenties. Um, I feel incredibly connected to my world, my community, my food, my family, and myself in ways that I never did before. And it is all a result of how me and my family approach our food. I believe truly in, in, um, in, in this approach. And we just wanted, my wife and I just wanted to share it with the world. And that's really why uh, it was the impetus for this book. And I try to do it in the most meaningful and accessible way possible. So what you'll get out of this book, um, what, the, the first chapter uh, provides a foundation, sort of a baseline for uh, whatever, everything else that builds on top of that. And it's a, it's a, to me, it's the most comprehensive, uh, in-depth, but accessible look into our ancestral dietary past, those diets that literally built us as a species. So I sit, spend one chapter literally looking at just that. You know, what, what does that diet or those diets look like over the past three and a half million years that allowed our species to, 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 to be created and to populate the world? Um, and that is the baseline. And then every chapter after that um, takes a specific food group or category. I have a, a chapter on plants, a chapter on animals, a chapter on grains, a chapter on maize, you know, these sorts of things. And uh, each individual chapter dives deep into that particular um, uh, food, dairy, those sorts of things. Um, all of the, you know, a little bit of prehistory and history to talk about, you know, how we are, where we are now with that food, um, why we're have issues and, and troubles surrounding it. And then every single chapter ends with a whole host of, of tips and techniques and recipes to take all of these, these lessons we can, we can get from this research and apply them in your kitchen with the most basic of, of, of tools and equipment that you have to actually put even also in, in, a, in addition can you hear me okay? Because yeah, you cut out there for a minute. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Yeah. What I've what I've um, what we've been able to do is create this approach to food that has nourished my family, and then we've we've uh, written this book to share it with the world, and we're really uh, we're really focused on educating and inspiring as much as possible. 
But we also have a lot of people that have been coming to us say, listen, I believe in all this. This is great. And I, you know, take classes from us or, or learn from us or hear a podcast or what have you. Um, but I just don't have the time to do all of it myself. And I really want all of this food. So uh, what we actually, we, and we launched it last this past June is we launched the Modern Stone Age Kitchen here in Chestertown, Maryland, where we're taking literally all of these approaches and recipes from the book and making it in-house here and helping to feed the community here. Um, and it's great. And you mentioned earlier, it's not, I mean, there's some things in the book that I, I do, I really want to push limits in the right way so that we're really addressing um, the problems and getting at the answers. So there's a, there's a chapter on insects. There's a chapter on geophagy, there, which is the intentional consumption of earth. There's a chapter that's titled um, wood ash, or um, uh, clay ash and charcoal, something, I, I forget mm -hmm. the exact title, where we're pushing the limit a little bit because these were all things that were parts of our ancestral diets that are not a part of any modern Westerners diet today, but we really should have at least a conversation about them and, and start to step in those. But there's a lot of, um, you know, these are most of the recipes in this book resemble something you're used to eating, you know, regular, right. you know, cheese or bread or tacos or pizza, which is what we're creating here, but we're doing it in the healthiest version possible, the most safe, nutrient dense, and bioavailable versions possible. So um, here we're actually making this book come to life for our customers. And I don't know if anybody uh, follows, follows us on, on Instagram, we even took the logo, you know, our logo, which is um, uh, an ancient stone ax, a modern chef's knife and a fire behind it. And we made it three-dimensional, real life, five feet tall and just hung it on the side of the building. So it, it, it's really cool to see all this stuff, all this stuff come to life at the same time. That's so exciting. I am so excited to read your book. And we will definitely include the link to um, go ahead and pre-order it for sure. It launches this uh, week, this coming week. So yep. um, what is your favorite recipe? I can't wait for the recipes, by the way. That's, that's exciting to me. But uh, what is your favorite recipe that you included in the book? Wow, that's a great question. Oh my gosh. I don't, okay, I, you know what? My favorite, my favorite recipe, well, I, can I give you two? Okay, oh, of course. Two. So... <laughs> Um, there, the chapter on maize or corn is a really important chapter uh, because corn or maize is the staple of so many diets around the world. And historically, it was incredibly nutritious, but the way we deal with it today um, can lead to all sorts of issues. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, in there a very accessible way to take advantage of a, four, a minimum 4,000-year-old process to make maize as nourishing and bioavailable as possible to the human body. And then from there, we can make um, everything from, from grits to corn nuts to tortillas, uh, you know, out of it using that ancestral process, but doing it on your stovetop in, in your own house. So that's, that's number one. And number two uh, is the, uh, the fermented French fries. Potatoes mm -hmm. by themselves have all sorts of issues, glycoalkaloids, lectins, oxalates, all sorts of problems. Um, but we use a, um, a fermentation method to detoxify that potato as much as possible and then uh, through fermentation and then uh, fry it in high quality animal fat and make the most nourishing and delicious French fries you'll ever have in your life. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. And so I, come yeah, on and Tuesday and then you'll have, we'll have I ready know, I know. I'm like, I'm definitely going to this launch party because I need to try that. And um, I can definitely say, I have always had issues with corn and I, I mean, if I have anything with corn in it, I will have to run to the bathroom within 30 minutes. So I'm interested to see, um, it, try one of your, some of your maze, um, yeah. uh, approaches and, and see how that affects me because I've always had an issue with that. Uh, please let me know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am so excited about your book. And Thank I you. can't wait for the launch party. <laughs> so I'm going to head out there just to try those fries. Awesome. <laughs> but thank you so much, Dr. Schindler, for coming on the Warrior Wellness Podcast again. We will drop all the links um, to the book, of course. And I'll be sure to get this podcast out actually this weekend so we can get that ahead of your book launch and, and uh, get the word out about this amazing book. And congratulations. What a huge thank accomplishment. You so much. Hey guys, thanks Thank so much so again for joining us on another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, 
follow, like, all that good stuff on your favorite podcast platform or and on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and leave us a review while you're there. And if you screenshot your review, email it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com. With your name and address, you'll be entered into our drawing for a prize for just leaving us a review. So let us know what we're doing great, what you'd like to hear more about. And please go ahead and just give us a follow and give us a honest review, especially on iTunes, because that helps us reach other military members, veterans, and first responders with this vitally important information about how to improve their health, fitness, and wellness. We will see you at the next episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your podcast host, former Army Captain Stephanie Lincoln, founder of Fire Team Whiskey. Fire Team Whiskey is proud to sell Zaya Athletic Wear. We love the awesome styles, amazing quick dry technology, and best of all, the price. Zaya Active is the official workout wear of Fire Team Whiskey. Go to bit.ly forward slash Zaya FTW and check out all the styles for women, men, and kids.